Hi, we are now on our fourth series of our series entitled, Who Am I? Who are you really? Who are we? It's really hard to live on this earth without knowing who we really are because the way you think of yourself is how you're going to respond to situations around you and the way you're going to live this life. So this part four series is going to explain another area of who you really are. In our first installment of our series, Who Am I? I mentioned that we are a child of God. And do you realize that you're a child of God? You're not just a child of anyone else. You are the child of the living God, the child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's amazing, right? In the second week, we learned that we are accepted and that God's love for us is unconditional. It doesn't matter whether you perform or not. God already accepted you. He accepted you the way you are. You don't have to be or to try to be someone else. Just be yourself. He has uniquely and made you, designed you, woven you exactly the way he wanted you to be. So don't ever compare yourself with others because you are so different. You're so different in a way that God made you like that because God loves you and he already accepted you. Last week, we mentioned that we are called and chosen. Yes, you are called. And yes, you are chosen. I hope we all act like we are called. I hope we act like we're the chosen people of God. Today, we're going to talk about something very different, about another identity we have in Christ. And that is you are royal. You're the royalty. It also says that you are holy. So you are royal and you are holy. We're going to read from the book of of 1 Peter here, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Ah, oh, this is an amazing, amazing verse. It says here, in, in contrast with those who reject Christ, and are destined to stumble, Peter now describes the chosen people of God. He's describing you and me. Peter uses language that has been used to describe God's special relationship with Israel. As Israel was, we believers, the church, are also a chosen race. Unlike Israel, though, we're not a race in the sense of that our, we're Israelites. I'm not an Israelite. <laughs> I don't look like an Israeli. But in the sense, not in the sense of ethnicity or skin color or country of origin, what he's referring to is we are a spiritual race in the sense that in Christ, we share a single spiritual father. You, he said, are a royal priesthood. In Israel, under the law, one tribe was given the task of serving as priests. You know, some people were ordained priests, performing the duties of mediator between God and the rest of the nation. Very few held the honor and responsibility of actually coming into God's presence. But in and through Christ, the King, all believers are priests with direct access to our Father. You know, when God called us and He said, we're now, you know, the priests of the believers or we are priests, we now have direct access to the Father. It's not just the pastor, it's not just the priest or the pope, Everyone, as long as you're a Christian, you are a priest, man or woman. You can now talk and pray directly to your heavenly Father. 
We need no other mediator at this point. The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers states that all believers in Christ share in his priestly status. Therefore, there's no special class or Bible school that you have to attend so that you can mediate the knowledge or the presence and forgiveness of Christ to the rest of the believers. And all be believers today, if you're a believer, you have the right and the authority to read, interpret, and apply the teachings of Christ, of course, through the Holy Spirit. And of course, we, read, we need each other so that we can best understand what's, what Scripture has to say. But again, the Holy Spirit is in you as children of Christ. We can now begin to understand the things of the Spirit. We now have the authority to read it. Unlike before, they kept it away from people. And we also have the right to apply the teachings of Scripture. That is what it means to be a priest. Very important. Okay? Finally, God has formed this nation, this race, this priesthood to take possession of us. Okay? We are His people in a, in a very real way. It's not just that we pledge our allegiance to Him. It's that He has taken ownership of us. We belong to him. Why? For one, for one, he has made us to declare his praises. You know, if you are a man, the Bible also describes that as a head of the family, you are not just the priest, you're the prophet, priest, and king of the household. Okay? If you are the head of your household, God has ordained you to be the priest of your household also. It not, not just the king or the leader of the household, but the priest. One who will make sure that the family is spiritually strong. One that, it, that will make sure that the word of God is spreading, not just through his family, but through his neighbors and everyone around the world. We are now priests. And our job as a priest is we want to make and declare his praises to everyone. That's more than just a natural response to our Father's mercy or something that we should do to be polite. Declaring God's greatness it's one reason for our very existence. You know, when you praise Him, we fulfill our purpose. He, you know, He has called out of darkness, out, us out of darkness into a meaningful life. Okay, in eternity, an eternity. It's so wonderful. It's we are now His wonderful and marvelous light. Priesthood is a position that you take. You take on this position because we belong to Him. We belong in His light. Very important to understand who you are in Christ. Who am I? You are a priest. You are not just a priest. You are a royal priest. I was just watching Wimbledon the other day, and Wimbledon happens in London, in England. And there before them, while watching the game, was Your Highness, you know, and Kate, Kate I think, was it? Uh, the our, the queen, and I was just watching them, and I realized how people adored them, how people look up to them, because they are royal. You know what? You are royal. You are not. You just don't belong to anyone else. You belong to God. You are a child of God. There is royalty in your blood. Okay, very important to remember. So, because we belong to Him, we belong in His light. We become the light around us. It also goes on to say in 1 Peter 1.16, For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. So why should we be holy? Why will, should be, we be a 
holy nation. And God called Israel to be his holy nation. And we're part of that lineage. As children of God, we are called to be holy. You know, in the same meaning, we, being holy nation is, is a specific group of people called out and set apart from other, all other nations. So what does that mean? What does holy mean? To be holy means to be set apart for the purposes of God. You're no, or, you're no ordinary person. You're called to be holy. Being holy means centering our lives around our relationship with Jesus and following his example of holiness as best we can. There are things that set us apart from the world. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells the Christians to live holy life. How do you live a holy life? What does this mean? Here it's very specific, brothers. He says, Christian brothers, we ask you, because of the Lord Jesus, to keep on living in a way that will please God. I've already told you how to grow in the Christian life. Okay, he said, Paul said this, the Lord Jesus gave us the right and the power to tell you what to do. God wants you to be what? God wants you to be holy. To be holy. This is not just a religious act. It's God himself wanting you to be a holy nation. And then he goes on to say, you must keep away from sexual sins. God wants each of us to use his body in the right way by keeping it holy and by respecting it, respect our bodies. You should not use it to please your own desires like the people who do not know God, who do not know God. Now that we know God, it is important that we live a holy life. So to live a holy life, we should keep away from sexual sins. I just want to reiterate this. This is so important. You know, as a pastor, I've learned that sin will always have repercussions. Sin will always have consequences. But I also found out in the Bible as I study this, the sin that has the highest or the greatest level of repercussion or penalty are sexual sins. Yes, I'm, I'm saying that, sexual sins. You know, you, if you steal one, one dollar, you know, you're not going to go to jail. If you sin a million dollars, chances are you will. But sexual sin is graver, has a more grave consequence than just stealing. You know why? Because it lingers. Because it stays on for a long period of time. You know, I've seen people who has children when they were teenagers. And they have to pay, to pay the penalty all their lives for a sin that they committed. And sexual sins are generational. Remember, God said, God thinks generationally. He just not, doesn't think one time or one week or one year. It's generation. I've seen people who are condemned by a sin they've committed 20 years ago. One sexual act that to this day is something that's still bothering them. I know that God will give you hope. But I'm telling you, to, give, to, to get away from all of these pain and agony, I'm telling you, be holy. You know, the porn industry or pornography is a hundred billion dollar industry. Think about that. Porn. Are you into porn? Are you watching porn? Porn is plaguing the not just one nation, the entire nation. Sexual sins are a killer. Sexual sins are very addictive. As a pastor, I've you know I've tried helping not just teenagers, even old adults 
get free from addic- a, a sexual sins, addiction from sexual sins. Why? Because why, why is this so addictive? Because sin, most sins are pleasurable. Didn't you know this sin is pleasurable? If it wasn't, people won't do it, right? Whether it's a, a chocolate cake that you see, it's addictive, okay? Lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes. In the U.S., they found out that as early as high school, 40% of high school students engage in active sex. Active sex meaning it's not just a once in a while thing. It's a regular thing. And even higher when they are in college. Yeah, active, regular sex. Fornication is a sexual sin that is committed when one is not married. When you're not married and you have sex with another person, it's called fornication. By the way, fornication is a sin. Adultery is a sexual sin when one engages in sex outside of marriage, outside of the marriage covenant. Today, they kind of mellow, you know, water it down. Today, it's called a fling or an affair or it's a one-night stand. Oh, it's just a one-night stand or friends with benefits, right? A momentary pleasure, but a lifetime of regret. You know, I found out that in the States, over a million People have unsolicited pregnancies. Okay, this have plagued people as young as 13 of years of age in the U.S. alone. And there's human trafficking. There is, you know, cyber sex. There's all of these things because the devil is using this to make us unholy, to get us out of our call, to get us condemned. It's going to destroy our lives and our call and our purpose. I have good news for you, though. If you have fallen, if you have committed fornication, or if you are addicted to these things and have destroyed you from being holy, I have good news. God restores. Yes. God restores. God can make you new again. You know the nice thing about God? He didn't just cleanse us. He made us brand new. Go to God. Go to God. Let me just pray for those who are who have fallen in this area. Lord, I just pray that I know that it's hard to be holy when we're addicted or when we're fallen in this area. Father, I just pray for your grace to abound each one. Convict each one. Don't condemn, but convict each one so that they can go back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. It goes on to say, no man should do wrong to his Christian brother in anything. The Lord would punish a person who does. I've told you this before, for God has not called us to live in sin. He has called us to live a holy life. The one who turns away from this teaching does not turn away from man, but from God. So if we hurt somebody, we're turning away from God. It is God who has given us his Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God that we can live a holy life. So to live a holy life, we should not hurt our Christians, Christian brothers and sisters. In fact, God said to love one another. Uh, I love this verse. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires, they pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Yes, And lastly, I just want you to be reminded, you are God's possession. You are God's possession. He owns you. 
He has every right to tell you what to do and what not to do. This is not self-serving of God. It's actually the best thing that could ever happen to us. When he owned us, he will take care of us. When he owns us, we are provided for. And when he owns us, we are protected. Remember, remember, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God is calling you to royalty. And God wants you to be holy just as he is holy.